Welcome to the Capital View, where business, economic, political, and human capital intersect. Thank you for joining me on episode 7 of The Capital View. Today I sit down with golf professional Ron Ceruto. Ron has spent his entire career in the golf world and played on tour for over 20 years. During that time, he battled with the likes of Palmer and Nicholas, as well as his own demons on and off the golf course. Ron has also been my swing coach for over two years. I came to Ron in some of my darker days I was just completing my divorce and trying to adjust to a life where I can only see my children on certain days. Anyone that has been through such knows how hard it is to fill that void. Often people choose the dark side of drugs, booze, late nights, and shallow relationships. I took another path and dove into golf, a lifelong passion, as I've always believed I could compete on a championship level if I developed a better golf swing. No one knows the golf swing better than Cerrito, and I can attest. I conducted this interview on March 25th, and the next day I shot 69, which tied my lowest round ever. So whether you're trying to break 80, understand the mind of an athlete, or simply learn how to fill the void, let Cerrito and I give you this lesson. So sit back, grab your cup of joe, and enjoy. Well, no, no, thanks for coming in. I mean, um, what I've done with this podcast, Ron, is... Uh, you know, it started in the pandemic last year, basically, and I was sitting in my office like everybody else at home, like, I don't have anybody to talk to or do anything, <laughs> and I um, I just was like, I've got all these amazing companies and people that I work for, I've invested in over the years that have these elaborate stories of how they've overcome odds, issues, business, family, all of it, really. I mean, if I'm talking to them, we're managing their money, they did something right. Absolutely. What it is, you Absolutely. Know? And, One luck. And, and golf falls right into it. I think, I think I'd say probably 50 to 60% of the people we work with are came from golf. I played a bunch as a young kid, played in high school. I'd learned enough to be okay, and uh, I just use it for business. I mean, you know, I'd go, I tell my guys that work for me, hey, go off. Every Wednesday, I want you on a tee box with random, random threesome. You know, like you'd be the, the single in a group that needs a single. That's great. And they'd love it. I mean, and so like it's it's mandatory to play I've met so many great people through the game, it's it's unbelievable. So cool. bring me up through like you started as a yep, yep, little okay. guy. It started off I was ten years old and my father was uh, uh, he became very valuable to his company and my dad used to fly airplanes for for fun. Cessnas and Piper Cubs. And anyhow, the guy that was his boss said, John, which is my dad's name, said, I want you to forget about flying. You've become too valuable to the company. I want you to take up golf. My dad said, okay. <laughs> so the year, be, the year before, uh, when, and I was nine, and he, we joined this country club called Castlewood Country Club in Pleasanton, California. And uh, so we started. He started playing. And then a year later, um, I started in a little group thing, and so I yeah I was I played all the sports all through school, everything. Got it. 
And uh, so you just think so golf was ha in the summertime. Did you think you were an athlete? Like, were you oh, like, I was an athlete. Oh, okay. I, it's hard to believe now, but I actually had I it actually had real good. <laughs> actually, I actually really had good coordination. So, um, and especially football. But anyhow, I started, and uh, when I was eleven, uh, we had a four-hole tournament at our club for kids our age, eleven years old, and I happened to win it. Four holes, nice. right? Okay, but I this other kid that was in it was at least twenty strokes better than me in eighteen holes. I just had my day and he didn't. Exciting. So we started to play together, and when I was twelve, I was shooting eh, maybe 90, 89, 90. But we were very lucky in that in those days, kids couldn't play before one o'clock. That was the rule, and so. We we had two golf, two eighteen hole courses and a nine hole pitch and putt course. So he and I would go around and play the pitch and putt course every morning in the summertime. We my mother would take me out a half an hour, eight thirty in the morning, drop me off, come back at about seven o'clock at night. Yeah. And so we would um, we would go around this pitch and putt course three times and then eat and then go out and play eighteen holes. And so. So I'm playing with this guy, and he's 12, and he's shooting like 80, 75, 77, and good. I'm shooting like 90. <laughs> and so, what? I, and I had a big old slice. And of course, not, we didn't. Lessons in those days aren't like lessons are nowadays. You know, the pro would look at you for about 15 minutes and go, "Hey, Dave, go, go play." <laughs> so, so anyhow, one night, I, I'm a very visual person. I learned a lot by looking at things, and. I had a dream about how to hook the ball because this kid, this kid, I mean, to draw the ball. And this kid had this nice little draw all the time. And I went out to the golf course the next day and his name was Jimmy Johnson. And I said, Jimmy, I said, I had a dream last night how to, how to draw the ball. And he's going, yeah, okay. He's been watching me slice for two years. <clears throat> and I get up on the first tee. I had a two wood, I remember, because I couldn't hit a driver. And I got up on the first hole and hit the nicest high draw you ever saw. And within seven months, I broke 70. Wow. So it was like, as soon as I did. And then, then do, you, do you credit, because I, when, I, when you talk about golf, and I, you know, I'm, as, you, as my swing coach, as my, as my guru, I don't know, I'm going to put you in a lot of categories. It could be life coach, yeah. swing coach. Idiot. Right, right. <laughs> That's right. For some reason, I'm believing in uh, following all your advice, which is why we're having this interview today. <laughs> <laughs> no, but did you find that... I mean, my opinion on is this: How did you get there with a lot of short game capability? Because I mean, shooting under seventy, you got to have a good short game. Well, that was a pitch and putt. Yeah, we played pitch and putt three times around, and then um, when we each of us were fourteen, we could beat everybody in the club. And good. so my dad went, or yeah, my dad went to the uh, board and said, "Look at you know these kids can't play until one o'clock." I mean, and they can beat every one of you. So it's like, why don't you let? Them? So they let us start going out whenever we wanted to. Yeah. And uh, so, anyhow, so I played, and and when I went to high school, I, I I won my first tournament against guys that are seventeen when I was thirteen, and uh, uh, it was a little short course. So you know, these guys were out driving me fifty yards, and but somehow I ended up winning the tournament. So anyhow, um. I went to high school and I I was playing I played frost soft football as a quarterback and then in my in my second year I was supposed to start at varsity quarterback and uh, anyhow so they 
what did I say? My second, third year. Yeah, yeah, right. My junior year. <clears throat> so anyhow, so um, we had our state juniors in a place called Bakersfield, California. So we, there was a team from Northern California. We were going to go play against the guys in Southern California. And then we have a 72-hole tournament, see who's sure. junior champ. So I told the we were supposed to have spring practice in, you know, when you start off with uh, football practice. And I went to the coach. I said, coach, I said, I got a problem. I says, I can't start. I'm playing in the uh, junior tournament, the state junior tournament next week when we're starting. And then I'll come in a week later. And he looked at me and goes, son, you got a choice to make. <laughs> That's right. He comes to that stage sooner or yeah. later, right? He says, son, you got a choice to make. He says, you either do this or... You do that. I says, well, coach, I guess I won't be playing football. Yeah. So I went down, and then I, when I was 16, I won it, won the state juniors, and won it again when I was 17, and I was doing real well in the Bay. I was from the San Francisco Bay Area, and I was doing well, winning a lot of tournaments. <clears throat> so there was this big article in the paper about me, whatever. And uh, anyhow, the coach sees me before I finished my senior year, and he walked up to me and says, I think you made the right decision. Right. right. So, so that, that, but I just, I was so blessed because the competition in Northern California yeah. and Southern California, 25 got kids that I played against played the PGA Tour. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it was a blessing. So, you you know, you, you think you're good until you see you're not good, you know. So you're playing against great competition. Did you feel like... Because this has been the 70s, 80s, early, early 70s, I guess, probably, when you're around probably 70s. No, we're talking early 60s. I graduated okay. from high school at 62, okay. so I'm an old guy. <laughs> well, did you feel like, I've always had this argument about, I know, this, this conversation about golf, like the folks in the 60s and that era maybe were more talented because the equipment was so inferior. But it was a different game. It was just a completely different game. The ball curved more, didn't go as far. You're playing with woods that... The irons were four degrees weaker than the present irons. I mean, with the yeah. technology now. So um, it was just a different game. I mean, Greg Norman, who had 120 mile an hour club head speed in 1990, led the PGA Tour in average driving distance 280. Mm -hmm. And now, what is it, 315, 320, something like that. So it's just a different game. Every They're bigger, they're stronger, they work out. And now you talk about there no workout. We, yeah, it was, we, not, it was, it was a, not a workout it was a game. Different type of workout. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> true. No, I've played in a lot of tournaments over the years, and like a lot of um, you know, I mean, amateur qualifiers and those types of things. And for the longest time, I thought I think it was interesting to talk about how fact that you, you started so young and you were already kind of had a knack. And I guess you got rid of the nerves, or you turned the nerves into performance. I how learned I learned how to cope with the nerves by choking. It's <laughs> interesting. You you learn. Um, it's it's funny. I was gonna a little quick thing. I was um, I I learned by losing, and uh, you you start to go over after your PO'd and everything, yeah. and you come home and you start going over and you go, geez, well, I really started to get walking fast. I was thinking fast. I was doing things, and I you know I didn't know how to slow down and. And so then you get nervous and they get nervous, you swing fast, you swing fast, you swing ugly, and all of a sudden you're making big mistakes. So I learned a lot about choking. I mean, everybody's nervous. And there's, you, know, you competed in things. There's nervous when you're 
when you absolutely have no idea where anything is going. And then there's nervous, which actually heightens your concentration. I mean, you're nervous, yeah. your, your stomach's going, but yet you see things real clear. And uh, do you think that, I mean, the guys that we watch, and I play with some of the guys that are on TV, and I feel like they have the nerves too. They just know how to harness that power. Into, right, into, into, into exactly. And, and guys that don't, I mean, I think on the PGA Tour, when you reach that height, it's 80% mental and 20% physical. I mean, not everybody knows how to hit the ball. I mean, where the average guy, it might be 70% uh, physical and 30% mental. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, it, it just becomes, and you learn all this by competing. You can't, you can't learn it reading a book. You got to be out there when they have the gun to your head. When did you know when you were 17, 18, whatever, getting out of high school, like when did you think you had the skill to make a living? Well, I was stupid enough when I was 13. What are you going to do for a living? I'm going to play on the PGA Tour. So that was decided. I mean, that's the way I thought. You know, <laughs> little did I know, hey, you may not make it. Who knows? I mean. But would you, that's interesting you say that. Was was it just such a place in your family where you, they just instilled so much confidence? You yes. You could do anything? I was, my, two, my parents were fantastic. Yeah. They were fantastic. My dad couldn't watch me play. He'd hide behind trees. And my mother would go, John, go follow somebody else. He'd be thrown up all over himself. Um, but they had that. That was the basics for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And now, like my mom, in the summertime, gets up at 8 o'clock. Get, we get out of the house at 8 o'clock in the morning at 8.30. And it was a half an hour out and half an hour back. Half an hour out, half an hour back. So she's driving two hours a day for me. Well. And so, I mean, if that doesn't happen, who knows? But, yeah. but you know, like I say, yes, you're exactly correct. I had a fantastic group around me. Did you? Uh, and then you? Did you have early su success when you started playing as a as a pro? I won my rookie year. Really? Yeah. Well, y yes. So what happened is, in in those days, we went to our tour school, which uh, was like I don't know, 190 guys for 30 spots. Now they have 18 different. Uh, stages where yeah. people go through and everything so there wasn't as many but and there was no such thing as mini tours in those days so if you missed you couldn't play in anything for a year mm. you couldn't play in a, a fun tournament amateur term couldn't play in a, a section tournament for for the club pros you were you had to make it or you were there was nothing interesting so uh this one guy named jc goosey he's a guy that got an idea about the mini tour and he started one in florida and made a absolute fortune from hmm. guys so it was it was funny um i was uh four of us when i was in college four of us got into a car and started driving around because we were reading all these things about these guys and everything was east coast you'd read the golf magazines and oh this guy's an unbelievable player this guy's unbelievable so you know we get in the car and we start driving around you go shit these guys aren't much, they're not that great <laughs> right right in fact one year one of us won every tournament we played in, wow. except the U.S. Amateur, and that's where I, that's when I choked and lost by a shot. I mean, I look back at it, I say a choke. I, I, I sped up and walked up and tapped in. I was mad because I finished second. I thought, walked up and kind of tapped about an 18 incher and missed it. Oh, yeah. on, it was on TV. It's real good too. Hey, how you? I took my bows before the curtain went down. And, uh, but how do you come back from that? Like, talk about this is part of what we do in this podcast and this conversation is I talk to people about how they overcome whatever you know. To be fair, 
you know, I'm not trying to make it belittle it at all, but it, if we look at it in the grand scheme, it was 18 foot. It was a putt, you know, on a golf course. Like there are things. Marion, that, that, that is there are things that could be a lot worse in life. That Absolutely, but you don't look at it that but way. But you don't way. look at it that way. And you probably have to feed yourself off that putt and everything else. And tell so, you a funny story. I'm playing. Um, anyhow, so we we come home after the the second uh, our second group. This was 1968. Uh, okay. 67, excuse me, 1967. <clears throat> and I'm going to, and in those days, if you announced that you're going to turn pro someday, any day, they deemed you a pro. That was the way the USGA looked at things. So the next, when I'm driving back from Pennsylvania, myself and another guy, and we're coming back, and the next day, we're both going to announce that we're going to turn pro and go to tour school. So um, it takes us about three and a half days to get home. We get I walk into my house. <clears throat> the phone rings seriously ten minutes after I walk into the house, and it's a guy by the name of Joe Dye, who was the executive director of the USGA. And so he says, "Ron, yeah, hey, Mr. Dye." Yeah. He's and I had my sponsors lined up. You know, you didn't just go out there; you had guys yeah. to back you. <clears throat> and. Uh, he says, Ron, you've been selected to the World Amateur Team, which is four people representing the United States against all these other countries. Interesting. So he says, would you or would you be interested? And I go, well, Mr. Dye, I have to make a few phone calls. And can I call you back? He says, I understand. I mean, basically, so I called my sponsors and, and they said, oh, by all means, we'll take care of you. So they give me like a fake job because you had to make some money. And so they sponsored me for a year, which was probably the most fun I ever had in my life. All I did wow. was play golf for a year. And so we went to Mexico City, myself, Dean Beeman, Downing Gray, and Bob Murphy for the team. Yeah. And so um, we went and we, we played. Uh, we finished second. I think we lost by two shots to Australia, whatever. So that means now you're going to be in that same year from 66 to 67. I'm going to be on the Walker Cup team. Right. So that was probably the most fun I ever had playing golf. And so there, there, I feel like in as there is in every other sport, like there's pros, good pros, good players, and then there's probably a few like that. That guy's got talent. Yeah. I mean, and, oh and, yeah. I, I mean, and I don't, and you're, and you know, think of the '60s and '70s. I mean, did you get you was I, you see golf now with Palmer, Nicholas, and the stories? But I don't know if it was there was so so much adulation for him back then, but I guess well, you were yeah, starting There really was. Absolutely. Yeah. Were they just better than everybody else, or was they just... Yes. And was that intimidating to you when you went out and played? You know, it's funny. Jack never intimidated me. Arnold Palmer was my idol when I was growing up, and he intimidated me. I mean, I still could play okay with him, but um, I remember I'm playing a practice round with Jack Nicholas in the Masters, because as an amateur playing my first Masters, 1990. 66 and so I'm playing with him and we go up and shake his hand and Jack pop on the line and he goes you did the stupidest thing I've ever saw in my life when I tapped the putty <laughs> just, he I knew go, oh yeah he, oh, he oh, watched no, it on television oh, that's and he goes I says thanks Jack you're right <laughs> so but anyhow he was always very nice to me and uh, I remember uh, my did you think those guys were more talented though Yes, they did. Yeah, I mean, well, Nicholas, uh, Nicholas Palmer, pretty good. Palmer, yeah. not necessarily. I mean, I could hit the ball as far as Palmer, and you know, but 
You know, they were different. They're wired different. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, I'm trying to hone in on what that wiring is. Like, that's the mimic. That's the in all dollars. sports. Yeah, in all. It, well, you know, it's and, like and, a quarterback. Why and, is one and, quarterback? I mean, you got all the all the ability in the world, and one guy is just he can pick that guy out better than the other guy. Well, and it's in business too. I mean, oh, absolutely. Your, uh, you know, I mean, There's no doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. I always say the people that are truly successful. I mean, big Elon Musk. I mean, and he had the guts on that fourth flight for the rocket ship. He had all his marbles in that thing. And if it doesn't go up, he goes broke. Well, and you know, he, you know how long it takes to be in that position where everybody thinks you're crazy or, you know. Well, absolutely. And golf's got to be that way, too. I mean, you basically lose the majority of your life. I mean, I mean, like, oh, yeah. you're, you're going to win what? I mean, Tiger yeah. won, what, the most, like 15% of the tournaments he oh, played? He was, in one year. And he was, was, he was the best. He's the so, best. Ever, and ever, he was one ever. in one out of what, two out of ten. I mean, that's 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 sort of the baseball yeah. thing, odds, yeah. right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you I mean, get, so we get excited if somebody wins four times in a year on the PGA Tour. Oh, that's now, huge, right? Huge. And so I and Tiger is winning nine and ten times. But I mean, you just your whole life, you're always you're basically losing all the time. Yeah. How do you stomach that? Well, you well the thing is, is you you don't. I mean, when you if you play well and you finish third, not bad. I remember they asked Kevin Kisner, he says, well, how many times do you think you can win out here? He says, a year. He says, maybe six that fit my the golf course for me. Yeah. And they go, well, why do you keep playing? Because 20th is real good money. Sure. Yeah. So it's just, um, it's a whole different whole different deal now. It's, That's interesting. Do you think there are, uh, do you feel like there's anybody on the tour now or have been, I would say I'm tired and people talk about, but that is more talented than the rest i don't i feel like right now i think it's parody on the tour yeah it, it really is i you know you get these guys uh dustin johnson he gets hot i mean he's been real real good for i mean he gets he's won two majors I know. now rory mcelroy comes on he's wins four everybody thinks it's good and now he's struggling yeah. so it's just it's it, and that's what's so amazing about tiger is he just every year it was the same Unless he was hurt or something happened for ten years, nobody. And I was I was lucky enough to play with Hogan, Snead, all those guys, all the biggies, and uh, nobody ever played like Tiger Woods. I tell people this a lot because I think golf's a super unique sport because you're so alone and independent out there versus you know football, just like in business or whatever. You're always on your own, and even when you have a Ryder Cup, but that's once a year. And, but it is one of those sports. A, there's you hit a ball, you got five minutes before you hit it again. You got you know, the whole world can go through your head, and you got to leave that. You got to be the biggest jackass in the world. Well, be, to I mean, you got to be. You got to I mean, be confident. Real, is the yeah, right exact, you exactly. Want, no, you I was. Be, you, you, I was confident. I was cocky. I mean, I look back at myself and I go, "Shit, I wouldn't have liked myself much." But right. I mean, that's. I'm gonna beat you. You're not gonna beat me today. But then you got to park that at the at the. Right, driveway, like that's hard to do. I yeah, mean, I, mean it's, you know, it's, I look back at some of the stuff I did. <laughs> I remember one year, what when well, four of us were in the car, talk about a jerk, and, I, and we'd been up all night driving to the tournament. We we're playing in the Western Amateur in Kansas City, and, we're, and, and we so they put us last to tee off, and the greens were just everybody chopped up on them. And, you know, I remember I shot like 73 the first day, and I was very disappointed, to say the least. <laughs> and, and so, so uh, the guy, you know, the guy comes out, 
the reporter comes up. Well, what do you think? How about how about everything? I says, I had to put a big red line around these greens and call them unplayable. Oh. And I'm going, you know, you look back at that and I'm going, I mean, I was all, and that's why you should give the guy at the end of a tournament a little time. I mean, if he's won, no problem. But I mean, if somebody goofs up or something, don't go right after him because your brain is just, you know, and then I'm not playing well in the yeah. tournament. But it was like, you know, you look at that, you know, I'm immature, you're immature. I'm freaking 20 years old. think I know it all. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's, 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 it, it, I, it's I just, a great sport. I, I feel like in this sport, and maybe tennis is a little bit like that too, where you, cause you're such an individual, like it's a little different than having a football team where you, know, you can have well, the thing attitude. is, is tennis, that guy across the court can dictate to you. It's true. In golf, nobody's running in front of you and knocking your ball off the tee or catching it, you know, before it goes into the hole. So it's all you. You can have all the, you know, it's like I say, it's like there's these little boxes. You know, they're all about numbers in these little boxes, and there's no sidebar for comments. Gee, I could have. Well, I almost, you know, it's just the number. And if you put the right numbers in, you have a good time. Otherwise, it's hard. You have a good time. It's I, basically I, one of the hardest golf. I mean, it's one of the hardest sport. If not, I, I can't imagine another sport being harder. Well, I mean, and I tell people if you if you tape recorded a guy, four, four people playing around the golf, and didn't show what it was, and like you showed, you played that, somebody like, why would they ever play this game? They sound like they hate it out there. <laughs> it is. I call it a no. This is no kidding. I call it a disease. I says, what other endeavor would you put yourself through? With golf, I mean, golf is is uh, so. What what's the what's the attraction to you? Because you can. I have no idea. Be, it's I'm sick. Be perfect. I'm a. It's a disease. You're a perfectionist that can I, never achieve yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I don't have. I'm very nowadays. I'm 76 years old, and I nowadays I have no. I'm not competitive like I was. Now, if we put a little money up, or maybe you know, I grind it. But most of the time, I go out and just try to do well. And that only took you, you know, 60 oh, yeah, years to figure that right. out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, who am I going to beat when I'm so, I remember <laughs> I've had But some, do you find yourself to be a little bit more um, enjoying life under that? I mean, yes. I, I think I, I'm 45. I, I still try to compete and play as hard yeah. as I can, but I'm like, I'm still... I probably not was as I was at 20, you know. I mean, I feel... I try to You're like still... I, you're At 45, you're still... You can still do pretty much anything you can do I can when do you're 25. I yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. It's around 62 to 65. All of a sudden, you start realizing, hmm, used to hit a six iron here. Yeah. And now I've got to really step on it, and then and then you get where I am now. I but guess. but but the concept of kind of letting go. Yes. You know, is uh, yeah. I mean, if I can have a terrible day on the golf course now, I go home, have a cocktail, I'm fine. Yeah. I don't take it home and bitch at my wife or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just. It's not, you know, it's not that, that isn't the way I make my living now. I get my, my satisfaction now from helping people like yourself. Yeah, I mean, sure. that's, you know, when I, when you first start teaching, you're doing clinics and stuff like that. But the one-on-one -on -one with the person is really where I get my thrill. Yeah. When that person leaves and go, man, that's, I, thank you. I feel good about, I've learned something today. I mean, then it's like, okay, Ron, you did, you did well. Well, no, and I appreciate that. I mean, as uh, you know, I came to you. I always had a short game that kept me in the game, but I, I didn't really have a good swing. So I was like, this is going to be a two- or three-year process of pretty much starting over, you know? I mean, getting the swing in place, and it takes. And I've been doing it for 30 years, so it's not going to be an easy change. But 
Well, what I've noticed with, and I, maybe you can comment on it, it seems like you have some fundamentals that pretty much everybody should have in the swing versus I've had other instructors that kind of mold whatever's going on with a guy and they don't have the same, but I, that's You have it. to, I always say, you have to know them and when to fold them. In other words, there's a lot of people, the guy might have a terrible grip, but his club face is square at the top, or he comes to me and he's shut at the top and, and he's learned to play that way. That's the way I'm going to teach him. I'm not going to say, yeah. hey, well, I want you to be like X, you know, it's, and everybody's different. Everybody has these little idiosyncrasies that we all have in our swing. Yeah. I mean, nobody has a perfect swing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, otherwise they'd never miss a shot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But but the big thing is, is the more fundamental, fundamentally sound you become with your swing, your, your miss hits are better. Yeah. That's the key. But uh, you, do you, a lot of your, your, um, your, I guess, pupils, do they, they keep, they stick with it or do they come in for a month and then they, they go on it. I mean, because that's what I've done is I'm like, even when I'm not even hitting it bad, I'm like, I just gotta get a better. No, they tuner, usually they know. usually come back. No, I, I mean no, but I mean, well, I I I Cora, I was telling a guy one one of my pupils, a great guy, and anyhow, I was telling him, I says, you know, it's sort of like uh, your health. You start off and you got a little cough, <clears throat> then the cough gets a little worse, and then you get a temperature, and then you. Then all of a sudden you've got pneumonia and now you want the doctor. <laughs> and I was telling him, I says, that's you. You always come in here instead of, I says, if you can't figure it out in a couple of weeks, it just keeps getting worse. Go see somebody, whether it's me or whomever. Yeah. But you gotta, you gotta turn it around because what our, all of our friends and helpers want to do is they see the result. They don't see the cause. Right. Or, you know, <laughs> it's like I, I, I may have told you this story, but it's like a guy that's CEO of a company and he's got, <clears throat> he's doing real well, and all of a sudden the orders that people stop calling and. And they can't, so he's got all the vice presidents, they're all in a big room and they're talking and finding, but they don't know that the guy down in the, in the uh, room where it sends all the stuff out ain't doing his job. <laughs> right. There's the core of the problem. That's true. No, I mean, um, it, it is easier to get back to where you need to be if you sort of stick with it. I think that's probably main. You main want to try, I always want my students to try and figure it out. But if they come in, but not, when you got pneumonia, and you're about hanging on the lip and you come into the doctor, it's like, well, gee, well, now we gotta go, we gotta start over here. What's the flip side of that though? Like, I get really nervous when I'm hitting it great. I'm like, okay, things well, are getting ready to get bad. <laughs> it's true though, you know, well, I mean, when you're enjoy thinking you gotta it. figure it out, you're like. Well, just, just put it this way. When you gotta figure it out, enjoy the next two weeks. Right, at most. That's right. I mean, that's not even, even the guys on, the, on, on TV or, no, you don't. One, one day out of four, they're shooting seventy-three. Exactly, and that's the day you got to get over. When you win golf tournaments on the tour, you're going to have that one off day. It could be the first round. It could be yeah. the third round. It could be the fourth round. You don't like it in the fourth round, though. But in the third round or second round, that one day you're off, and that's where your short game comes in. Yeah. So you're missing. You might hit eight greens, but you're getting it up and down, getting up and down. You shoot one under. Yeah. Instead of 75. Do you, I, when I played in some of our more recent co competitive, you know, tournament golf, I, last year was a, a little bit of a breakthrough because I was playing a little bit better in some of the final events and uh, I stopped being conservative. Right. 
I mean, I was always like, I'm going to hit it there because it's going to, you know, I'm not going to get in trouble. And then I was like, I got to go with this pin. I'm four back with six to go. I got to go at, and I was two or three under on the last three holes versus being, you know, three over going into the last three holes. So when I, when I first started the tour, one of the things I had to really learn is there's no governor on your game. You're four under. I don't want to just get to the clubhouse. I want to get the five under. Well, see, that's, that's, that is not... That, and that's hard. That's not in the average or even the proficient golfer's mind. No, it's like, no. Build you know, the green. Don't go on the, you know... Also, I think we all, or we paint ourselves into a box. In other words, you could hear a person that's a 10 handicap. Man, I shot 43 on the front and 37 on the back. Or I shot 37 on the front and 43 on the back. It's like we think, well, okay, this is my comfort zone. I'm comfortable... Like uh, from shooting, you know, 81 to, to 75, 77. Yeah, yeah. That's my little comfort zone. Yeah. Boy, all of a sudden I'm, I'm doing better. I'm, I'm, one, I'm, I'm one over with two holes to play. Oh, geez, wait a minute. I just got to get to the clubhouse. <laughs> Double bogey bogey or something. It, it's what I admire, and I don't want to throw any particular name out there, that I, but there are people on the tour that, I admire, I, I'm starting to admire the folks that, I, I don't want to say forget, but just are maybe too aloof for it to matter. You know, they made a double, and they, I mean, I remember seeing a pro on TV not so not so long ago, within the last two months, that hit, he he sculled a shot in the middle of the fairway, and went up, hit the next shot, and made birdie. So he was hitting, a, he was trying to hit on two for a par five, he sculled 50 yards, and then made birdie from there. Right. And then won the tournament, by the way. And I was like... I, he just sculled it. I mean, that's got to be on your. Well, mind. that's when everything's right here between those that six inches between your ears. It's amazing. Because sometimes, though. sometimes you scull it, and then you scull it again, or, that's or whatever. A problem. I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing. And, and when you're really thinking well, and like I was, we were talking earlier about there's being nervous when you're throwing up all over yourself, and then there's nervousness when it heightens your your concentration. Did you always find your? Because I played, I played a little father-son match with my son JB yesterday. Just a match. It's great. But my son's six, so and he wonderful. Took him out of school. He played okay. my buddy from uh, Ohio. His son, who's about fifteen, so it was those two versus us two. Now my son's basically playing video games on the phone and putting every once in a while. But so it's just me versus them, right? But I always find myself as being a low handicap. I'm playing, I'm always playing everybody else. Like, nobody's on, it's always me versus those two or the three. Or if you play Wolf, it's always like, let's beat well, up on Wolf, that guy. We lost, when I lived at Hilton Head, we lost more friends playing Wolf than <laughs> any other. Because the one guy or whatever who's playing bad, nobody wants him. <laughs> and, and he's playing, and he's, and he's, you know, he's playing like junk, so he's losing money, and nobody wants him anyhow. Hey, you would take. I think uh, I'll take my time. I'll, I'll take my shot on this hole. Well, Wolf with low. I mean, when you're with scratch, you're, you're, there's just no chance. I mean, you got to give so many strokes. You got you to make a lot of. Wolf, yeah, we were all pretty much the well, pretty much the same. That makes it fun. Yeah. But if you got some fifteen oh, no. handicaps, you can't do it. There's no way. No, you can't do it. That's why I bet like three cents these days. Yeah, no, no, not, not, not when when strokes are involved. No. But when strokes are involved and it's me against you, let's go at it. Yeah. As long as it's fair. <laughs> what is your philosophy on um, the ball, distance, all that? Where's your mind on that these days? Like, is it, 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 do, you, do you gauge it back? Do you lower the tee? Do you change the I mean, do you care that somebody hits it 400 yards now? No. Well, first of all, I'm not in this generation now. 
Um, Does that cheapen the sport to you now, though? Or do you think no, actually, I think it makes it more exciting. I mean, everybody's talking about rolling the ball back, but when you can see, especially how far these guys are hitting it now, and all of a sudden you're going to show the spectators, hey, the longest guy's going to hit it 300. I mean, there's something about It's like when you go to a baseball game, what do you want to see? You want to yeah. see a guy hit singles and doubles? Okay. No, you want to see a home run. And that's, I, I, I think it's, I, if you have rough, and good green and fast greens. That's that's the thing that you can you can hit the ball four hundred yards. But you look at a course like Bay Hill, what ten under wins? Yeah. yeah so it's 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 um, there's ways of uh, or, or um, uh, Wingfoot. I played in the massacre at Wingfoot in nineteen seventy four, where yeah. where two people broke ten wow. over. Wow. Not ten under, ten over. Dang. And so, well, and I remember, I think I shot 22 over and finished 30th and never made a double bogey. But I made 15 putts from 5 to 15 feet for bogeys. I mean, you were helpless out there. You hit it, you miss a fairway or miss a green, you're in grass, you know, 8 inches tall. So, and then I watched it this year, and the the, the holes that we were hitting 3 and 4 irons to, they're hitting wedges and 9 and 8 irons. So, it's it's a different game. But so what? Five of one guy broke par. That was it. Yeah. No, it just gets so much attention as far as. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I think so too. The the um, the one thing that I always see, and what, when we talk about long hitters too, because I've played with plenty of guys that can pound it, but they can never make a dime on the tour, even, right. even though they tried. You know, is the the putting like that? I think is probably the most mental aspect of the game. You see people, even guys on TV, you're like, well, this is not the best stroke in the world. Like, and there's... Absolutely. And you've got to deal with that. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, everybody has... Every guy on the tour has a weak point that they're not quite as good with that part of the game. I mean, they can be really great, but at that part of the game, they're not as good as they are in other parts of the but game. But that's probably... I mean, obviously, it's 45% of the game, so it's probably the most important thing to be. Well, two things. Driving and putting. If you can't hit a fairway, look at Jordan Spieth. He went from 15th in accuracy to over 200th last year in accuracy. Now he's starting to come back. Yeah, because he's hit, when he's missing the fairways, he's still missing a lot of fairways, but it's not 50 yards to the right or left. It's 5 yards or 10 yards. Yeah. It's a different deal. So talk about your, you know, as your... I think you said when did you stop playing in the eighties? Is that right? Nineteen eighty, my last year on tour. Tell me about the physicality of it. I mean, everybody thinks. Well, I don't think they think that anymore. But for a while, golf was seen as a weak man sport. It was, you know, exactly. It, was, it wasn't cool. But and that's what Palmer changed. It's but to be honest, it's probably one of the hardest things on the body I've ever. I've ever oh well, it, well, it's like you name a person that played on the tour for longer than ten years. And every one of those people, maybe 12 years, um, has had a malady, some hip, yeah. wrist. Greg Norman, one of the best physical guys that has ever played in that era. I mean, he's, he had a, a shoulder, he's had a wrist, hip. Nicholas has had hips. So you know that going into it. I mean, you you never have... think about it because it ain't going to happen to you. Right. I mean, you know, when you're young and you're, you, you don't think about that. It's what's really weird is when you get old like me, you think young, but your your body's going. Are you kidding me? 
interesting. You don't you don't think see you're still in great shape, but or like a person that's working on the computer all the time, they get carpal tunnel. Think I'm going to get a carpal tunnel? Hell no! It's never going to happen to me. But I have I've had four back operations and three necks, a couple of knees, and, but it's but I was. But you knew that at some point. I mean, when you it was in nineteen eighty, you were like, I need this is going to well, work what, my what, body or what? Well, no, had nothing to do with the body. It was all about those little boxes and the numbers in the in the boxes. Well, it's like you, you know, I wasn't shooting. It wasn't you know you can BS yourself and say, oh, I'm going to get better next year, but. What? But tell me about that transition, because I know I have lots of friends that have tried for you know the tour, and some have made it, some have not. And to be honest, we had a whole program here at Warren Capital where we found golfers that were in college that we thought were going to be really great. I mean, my one of my employees played at college. You just I, never know. Well, but but that transition to like, and I always tell guys that I that I play golf because I still play with a lot of guys in college that are on college teams. Like I'm going to play pro. I'm like great, but get a job. You know, it's going to make your perfect life. The big easier. thing is, is it's like if somebody would ask me when I was started on the tour, what's your backup? You know, what backup? Right. And I'm playing for no money in those days. I win three times the biggest check I ever made was $20,000. Of course, this is, you know, now what uh, uh, JT, $2.7 million the last week. But it's that way in all sports. I knew a lot of the guys, I was friends with a lot of guys on the Oakland Raiders in the 70s. Every guy, but I think two or three, had jobs off season. That's interesting. They had jobs off season because you know, man, I had a great contract, made twenty five thousand this year. You know, it's and uh, but all sports. And now you look at a guy, a quarterback signs for one hundred and twenty million or something. It's like what? It, what do you think? The um, you talk about that eighty percent mental, like. Uh, do you think that you know we we touched on the fact that you would give him a lot of confidence and support and but and that's important but what there's more to it like I I'm, think I'm you're, trying to figure what that out I think across all like I think you're born with it you think so I really do I, I don't I, I think you're born with a certain amount of whatever that it's like you in business or somebody else yeah. you're born with that I if I tried your business I would be a complete failure because I know nothing it's like one of these. It's amazing to me. The last thing I thought I would ever do was teach. <laughs> right? You're not a very nice guy, so why are you out there teaching? Yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> teach. I'll never forget, uh, because I, when I first quit the tour, I'd spent a year acquiring lines, and I was going to be a manufacturer's rep. Call on thing. One of, the, my, one of my friends, in fact, Scott McCarran's father was a friend of mine, and there was a territory opening in Northern California, but North and South Carolina were open. And so I acquired these lines. So I had a backup when I quit yeah. the tour. So anyhow, I hit the road, got my stuff, and I'm calling on pros and stuff like that. And after about four months, I'm going, I really hate this. This, <laughs> this is not fun. And a good friend of mine uh, says to me, well, then why don't you go teach? I'm going, teach? What do I know? I know nothing about the swing. Nothing. I mean, if a guy says, how do you hit it right to the left? I don't aim to the right, hit it to the left, or vice versa. How do you hit it low? And just hit it low. I mean, because there was no computers, nothing. And and there was no gurus out there telling you what you're doing wrong. You just kind of figure it out. I had my club pro would look at me, and he goes, hey, you're re-gripping at the top or something. But never anything. And I, and I 
And then I'd leave the lesson and I'd try and start to figure out what the hell is he talking about? Yeah. And uh, so. But this has been a more rewarding part of your life. I mean, oh, I love, love it. I mean, you got great customers, great yeah, clients. And I, I come and I have, yeah, I'm very lucky. So I that's love. a big transition no, I from love being it. a guy that's the best in the world, nobody's ever going to beat me, to being like, I'm going to help everyone else be the better, yeah, be what, a better person. What happened is when I first started teaching, I went down to uh, when the big shots in teaching were teaching at golf digest schools. Mm. I went down and watched for two weeks. Just sat there and watched and listened to these guys. So I had some sort of idea. <laughs> How do you start a person off? I remember the first person I ever had was a woman that never played and she shanked. And I'm going, oh, my God. It's going to be tough. I got no <laughs> chance. Zero chance. It's funny. Like, I have a few friends that I play with that I know don't chip well. And I, if they're going to chip in front of me, I won't. I'll just look this way. <laughs> I will right. not look. I'm like, I'm not getting anywhere near that potential issue. But um, well, that's a big transition, though. And, and, and I think coming off of, I mean, we all have transitions in life. And coming off of the tour, being able to... You know, that's a, you got to overcome that whole situation. I'm not playing well. I got to find a new life. You're probably a fairly Absolutely. young guy at that time. Yeah, like yeah. Family 30, Thirty-five. Yeah, family I mean, support. A, right. and, uh, exactly. And that's not an easy. It's scary. Time. Yeah, real scary. And so that's why I had a job when I finished. And so it's like, okay, now <laughs> I hate this. Now what am I going to do? I can't think, keep doing this the rest of my life. But the big thing was about my third year of teaching. I was lucky enough to have a uh, student who was head of the audio visual for the school system in Savannah. Okay. And he says, I can make a little, this is before any video stuff. He says, I got to, I can put a little video in your golf cart and a camera on the side and you can start to show your customers. And once that happened, like I stated earlier, I'm very visual. And all of a sudden I started seeing this stuff. And I go, oh, well, I see. <laughs> how, now, now comes the communication part. And how do you communicate this to the student so it makes sense to them? Yeah. Because you got to, it's, it's, it would be like you explaining how to make, uh, why would you take this stock or why would right. you do this uh, to your customer so it makes sense to them? Yeah. Now, the big, the big part of being able to relate, I mean, you have to be in your line as, as well as ours. Yeah, there's got to be a little bit of sales in it. I mean, oh, there you're a salesman. I mean, you My gotta, dad was a salesman. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. People, people used to think that like, it's a dirty term. I love it. I mean, no, I, absolutely. I, I I'm, selling, I'm selling myself to you so you'll enjoy it. And yeah. you, you're giving me feedback because you had a good time. Yeah. And that's, that's it. I mean, you just... Uh, Do you think golf is, uh, helps you or hurt you either way deal with other big issues in life I mean have you learned things oh it's helped me all? dramatically like give me an example what was a challenge you okay had I'll, oh, I'll tell you one one of them okay I'm in about my 10th year on the tour I'm down to $500 in a condominium okay. that's it that's what I got $500 in my in my bank account and a, a fellow that was in your business who I used to stay with in Orlando, his in his family's house during the tournament. And he calls me up. I'm in Las Vegas playing in the tournament. And he says, "How you doing, Ron?" I go, "I'm doing okay." He says, "No, how you really doing?" I mean, he only had to do yeah. is read the paper. I'm missing cuts every week. And I said, "Well, you know, I'm not you know, I'm down." He says, "Let me tell you something. Whatever you need, I'll give you. If you." You, you, if you're down in, in for finances, I'll take care of it. Hmm. One, I finished 
fourth that week in the tournament. And that turned me over. Yeah. And it's like, then I just kept going. But I had that backup. But that that is, you know, I mean, you're sitting there. It's like, God, I'm going to be homeless. I, I mean, if I sell my condominium or what, where the hell am I well, going? It's, I talk about this to younger folks that try to play that you see are like, this guy's so talented. But the fact, like, I, you and I have talked about the fact that I'm trying to get my game better where I'd like to play maybe a little senior stuff. And like, you know, I'm sure. five and I, I don't have anything to lose. I don't, and I no, got I can. No, you got a good job. Yeah. And it I, ain't going to cost you your livelihood. And that's a lot of pressure when you're 23, 24. I mean, it's certainly more when you're twenty, you know, thirty with the family too. But, but um, you know that I wonder. It's I, I think about that now from a standpoint of uh, that's why I tell everybody they need to have a, an, an alternative opportunity. Right. And, right. And, 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 but and, when you want to play the tour, pretty hard to say. I'm gonna have a back. You know, if you ask those guys out there, what's your backup? Say the rookie coming out. Well, here's here's an interesting thing too. That I interviewed a, a good friend of mine. Uh, these guys, Hank and Bobby, the Blue Dogs. This little oh, band. okay. Yeah, that's one of my podcasts. Cool. We talked about you know that band. You probably heard her play, but um, well, they, thing, now you talk about something that you got to grind it out. Well, this is the point on that is that um, these guys have had amazing success with all over Spotify. They have thousands of followers. They have huge concerts all over the country, and they get they're still having to do other gigs. Because they get point zero zero seven cents per listen on Spotify. Somebody sure. plays their song, so they gotta have a thousand listens to get seven cents. <laughs> I'm serious, well, and, and that's so. Amazing. So the my point is, is the concept of a musician thinking about going into that. Like, what are we doing to our artists for the rest of life? They're going into this career like, no, I'm never gonna be able to pay for anything. I, I mean, I love it, but I. Well, I'm it's not. like people wanting to be in the entertainment, like movies and, and stuff. What is it? Six percent of the people in the in the um, uh, what do you call it? Whatever they're the industry, yeah, yeah, are making a living. Yeah, it's just, well, you know what? It's, it's like, well, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be a star. And you hear about these people like um, Madonna comes. She's nothing. Comes in. She's got no money. Nothing starts off. Well, it's the same in our business. So ninety three percent of the people fail in, as a money manager in three years or financial advisor. What are you going? Yeah. Doing? So and then so I'm when I got in the business, I was like, well, what's the ninety three percent doing? I'm gonna do the opposite. Yeah. Right. If they're going home at five, I'm staying till nine. You know. Okay. Exactly. So, but but I but that that click of my mind is everybody else would say, well, it's, who would want to be in that world? You're gonna fail. I'm always like. I just got to be different than those people, which is like the weird thing about golf is like, I just got to putt better than that guy. Like, that's, that's whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, um, the last thing I want to ask you, which is, you know, which is important because I have a lot of golfers that listen to these podcasts and a lot of them struggle with their game. I mean, if there was one thing that you would really do to have, teach somebody to, 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 you know, maybe drop 10 or 20 or 30% of their handicap, would it be take lessons? Would it be practice short game? Would it be, don't worry about it. Have more fun. Would it be? Well, if you don't worry and have fun, you're never going to get better. Okay. Um, you got to kind of put yourself on the line. And I would say find somebody that you, for teaching, that's teaching you, that you um, understand. Uh, if the guy is telling you, it's like, I guess I told you this uh, at, when I, when I have a first time lesson and I say, this is what relaxes people. I'll tell them, okay, if you leave here today and somebody asks you what I told you and why, and you can't tell them I failed you. 
<laughs> That's interesting. It's not, and I truly believe that. Yeah. It's my job to get, well, okay, that, well, that makes sense. Gee, no, somebody never told me that before. I'm yeah. going, well, I can't help that. But if they, you've never heard this before, does it make sense to you? Yeah. Okay. And then you relate it to other sports or what have you. But I would say, especially golf, to get started in the right the right way. Um, and I would say at least 90 to 95% of the people, I don't care how good they are, that come to me, have trouble with their setup the way they stand to the ball. So the basics. Yeah. I mean, if you can't say, I mean, most of the time people come to me and, okay, what's wrong? I said, well, first of all, we got to change the way you stand. You stand incorrectly. Oh, really? Well, my friend said, keep my eye on the ball, blah, 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 or whatever. Right. And so it's, uh, so there's a lot of misinformation out so there. So from a, from a standpoint, if you really are interested in bettering your game, you're in for a journey. It's going to take a lot of effort. Yeah, and you just, I want my students to enjoy the game. I mean, you know, you're blessed with a lot of coordination. As an instructor, you cannot teach coordination. (laughs) It's impossible. You can get a person, because the ball's just sitting there, you can teach a person to get the ball in the air. I had a lady, I had a lady, oh God, this is 40 years ago, that came to me and she says, Ron, my, my goal is to play one hole. Wow. I said, okay. And it took me about three or four lessons just to teach her the grip and the stance. She had <laughs> she had absolutely no coordination. Well, by the time we got through, she could go out and play nine holes. I mean, if she flushed a drive, it might carry 70 yards, wow. maybe. And uh, so she enjoyed the game. But it's like, you can't teach coordination. I mean, a person, some people are just limited because of that lack of... The big guy upstairs said, okay, you're going to be a genius <laughs> with a computer, be, but you got else. no coordination. <laughs> you know. But, uh, I mean, if, if you have reasonable eye-hand coordination, you can play a decent game. I would say for a business person, a guy, if you're between an 8 and a 12 handicap, perfect. You can yeah, go anywhere, right. enjoy you the game, a lot of places. enjoy the game. A lot of memory gas with that Right, type exactly. Of yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's when you, for a guy, because you don't have the time. You're busy making a living for your family or, yeah. or whatever, yeah. but uh, um, it's 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 a it's a game or anything. Just like you going from nine instead of five o'clock home, nine o'clock home. Yeah. Why? Because you want to get better. That, yeah. Well, I wanted to achieve. So. Yeah. Well, Ron, you've done. A, it's it's always good to talk to you. It's very rare you get somebody that's been across the gamut in golf. That have played, <laughs> that have taught, that have had the issues, that have been that have been an amazing athlete. That's gotten that has to deal with life uh, developments. But uh, it's impressive. And well, that's what we've all learned. We, the older we get, we don't think of things the same way that we did when we we're twenty one or twenty two. I'm sure you you've learned some things in life. You're forty five. Think like I was twenty one. <laughs> yeah, no, there's certain things. <laughs> You're still at the age. There are certain things that are still the same when you're tw- as 21, 22. But overall, I mean, you look at things a little differently. Well, I'm looking forward to see what happens with you next 76 years. Oh, God. <laughs> thank you for joining us. All right. Today. Thank you, my friend.